the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Our time on earth is a mix of joy, life, and of sorrow and torment. But in the age to come, the age that we look toward, though we see it through a glass only dimly, to use the Apostle Paul's words, that when we are on the other side of the veil, this one is passing in a transient age, but that one everlasting. The church understands this parable to be speaking about the final day, or the last day, the end of our earthly time and the gateway which all who have existed come before the judge of the living and the dead, and that all of our life is laid bare in an instant. Blessed Augustine, in commenting on this day, teaches that the book of life, that is, that St. John the Theologian calls it in the book of Revelation, or his apocalypse, the great revealing, that blessed Augustine says that in this book is shown which of God's commandments each man has performed or failed to perform. It is to be understood as a kind of divine power, which enables each man to recall to mind all his actions, good or bad, and this is the important part, to observe them with a miraculous speed by the act of mental intuition, so that each man's knowledge may accuse or absolve his conscience and thus each and all may be simultaneously judged. This judgment that Blessed Augustine speaks of is an act of a fully revealed truth of our lives. It is, a con is our conscience fully awake and unable to look away from life's actions and the disposition of our own heart. The time we have right now, we have as our friend and gift of God, so let us use it wisely. Life is only real in him, in our God, all else that we do in this earthly existence, apart from God, is a practice of escapism into the torment of unreality. But on the last day, there will be no distraction, there will be no escape, there will only be reality itself. The sheep, by practicing love, who we hear about today, they practice love in both tangible and spiritual ways. They have grasped the way to enter into that reality and into truth himself. They see and feel Christ in all and have seen and cared for Christ himself, even if they are not conscience, conscious of Christ in every instance of their life. However, at the end of their earthly journey and of this whole world and the content of their lives from its depths to its heights will be uncovered and illuminated in the eternal light of God. In eternity, there will be no hiding or distraction, but we will either see Christ's face in joy or in sorrow for having never known him. This is what Christ is telling us today when we hear the parable of the separation of the sheep and the goats, which he, the Son of Man, judges in truth. So let us dive a little bit deeper. Why are there sheep and why are there goats? Who are the sheep? Who are the goats? The goats in this parable are actually called kids, for in the Greek, the diminutive form is used, so they're baby goats. This is important because a baby goat can offer nothing to the farmer, not as it currently is. It has no fruit which will come from the young kids, 
they are destitute of fruitful labor and profit to its owner. But the sheep are called this so that Christ may show the great profit that is embodied by the sheep. For indeed, in a sheep there is great profit. As from milk, you can gain from them. As from wool, which you can shear them and sell in the market. And for their young, that they are able to bear and give you more sheep. So the fruit of the sheep is the important part. But there is a deeper and second meaning that Gregory Palamas brings out when he sees the sheep in this parable. And this is what he tells us. If we listen with understanding, he does not mention these works of mercy alone. For earlier in the gospel, he called those who performed works of mercy sheep. And in this way, he bears witness to their likeness to himself, that is, to God, the Lamb of God, their possession of every virtue and their readiness to die for the sake of what is good. Just as he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb before his shearers is dumb, according to the scriptures. This is what the sheep, the use of sheep in this parable, is telling us, that they are like the lamb of God. So we are called to become sheep, to become like the lamb of God himself. This is what the parable is calling us today to, to become. And today, I will give you several ways that have, I've gleaned from the patristic witness about how each of us may practice the love of Christ and how to love Christ. So, what are these different ways? We can practice it outwardly or inwardly, tangibly, mystically, spiritually, and in an inward love of Christ himself. We can understand it outwardly as the understanding of taking care of others. This expression of love and compassion is done in taking care of others in two ways, a practical and a tangible way, a spiritual way, and that we can inwardly direct our love as well. And the outward practicing of love is the love of Christ in the other. So let's focus on that for a few moments. Christ makes a direct connection, even an identification in this parable of the poor with himself. We realize that it is the prompting of our conscience, how we feel and act toward the hungry and thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the imprisoned. That is how we treat and feel about the Son of Man, Jesus Christ himself. Blessed Theophilac even sums up the whole thing in saying this, for every poor man is Christ's brother for the very reason that Christ too spent his life in poverty. So, we feed the hungry, we quench the thirsty, we welcome the stranger into our midst, we clothe the naked, we visit the sick, and we visit those in prison. We know this well. It is easily understood, even if we often find it difficult to actually practice. But it is straightforward. In loving the other, we do these physical actions toward those in our midst and even we go and seek and find them in the case of visiting the imprisoned and visiting the sick. But we can also practice it in yet another way, and Blessed Theophilac, this will be a longer quote, unpacks more of what that outward is, but in a spiritual manner. What is an outward spiritual practice? The love of the other in a spiritual manner. 
And he tells us this. This is how we care for the soul of the other. Feed Christ who hungers for our salvation. If you give food and drink to him who hungers and thirsts for teaching, you have given him food and drink to Christ. For within the Christian there is Christ, and faith is nourished and increased by teaching. If you should see someone who has become a stranger to his heavenly fatherland, take him in with you. While you yourself are entering into the heavens, lead him in as well. Lest while you preach to others, while you preach to others, you yourself be rejected. If a man should cast off his garment of incorruption, which he laid, which was put on him at his baptism, so that he is naked, clothe him. And if one should be infirm in faith, as Paul says, help him, visit him, who was shut up in the dark prison of his body, and give him counsel, which is a light to him. Perform then all of these six types of love, the inward and the outward forms, both bodily and also spiritually. For we consist of both soul and body, and these acts of love are to be accomplished by both. So we have six forms of outward love, of expression, which we can give both physically and we can also do spiritually by being there for our brother in their times of downtroddenness, their times where they feel far from God and they do not notice him. We can bring Christ to them because Christ is within us and we bring it to them and together we are with Christ. But we can go even deeper into this inward expression and we can practice love as purification and watchfulness. And I can't say it better than St. Nikolai did. So I'll have another lengthy quote. The inner meaning has to do with Christ, within us, ourselves, in every pure thought of our minds, in every noble feeling of our hearts, and every lofty aspiration of our souls towards the accomplishing of good. Christ reveals himself within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He calls all these pure thoughts, noble feelings, and lofty aspirations, his little or his least brethren. He so names these thoughts because they are in us in an insignificant minority compared with the great field of worldly dross and evil that is within us. If our mind hungers for God and we feed it, we have fed Christ within us. If our heart is bare of every good and noble thing that is of God, we clothe it. We have clothed Christ within us. If our soul is sick and imprisoned by our evil being, our evil actions, we are, and we are mindful of it and visit it, we have visited Christ within us. In brief, if this other being within us that once took pride of place and that represents the righteous man, is subjugated and humiliated by evil and sinful man within us, and we give this righteous man protection. We are protecting Christ within ourselves. This righteous man within us is very, very small, and the sinner within us is a veritable Goliath. But this righteous man within us is Christ's little brother, and the sinner within us is the Goliath-like enemy of Christ. If then we protect the righteous man within us, if we free him, 
strengthen him, and bring him to the light if we raise him up above the sinner so that he is completely dominant over the sinner and we could say with the Apostle Paul, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. Then we shall be called blessed and shall hear the king's words at the last judgment. Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This is the deep meaning, the inner work for which we can begin to work from and then express out into those outer works that St. Nikolai gives us. And it is when the resurrection and the final day occur that who we are and what we do becomes self-evidently revealed. It is at the end of time that the ultimate question of life, time and of everything, is answered. That question is, how much of life did you truly live? Or we can word it another way. How much do you reflect the love and compassion of the creator of all that exists? These are actually the same question, and it is answered as we are drawn into eternal life and step into eternity. The answer we hear will resistibly resonate as the fullness of truth, as every knee bow and every eye gazes and knows that he has or has not seen Christ on this side of the veil. That truth will resonate for eternity in the depths of our very being. The answer resonating within will separate torment from life itself. The tormented and the joy-filled. It will be an eternal response to God himself. And we will be on one side or the other. We will be then, in that time, if we can even use the term time or then, as we will be outside the measurement of time and forever in the light, heat, and fire of God. As St. Nikolai teaches us to use and approach the closing of the homily, to use his words one more time, as he teaches us and summarizes all the fathers and the scripture about what is eternity that we are stepping into. What this eternity means cannot be grasped by our human understanding. To him whose delight will be one moment of beholding God's face, it will seem as though it has lasted a thousand years. And to him will be tormented for one moment by the devil in hell, it will seem like a thousand years. For there will no longer be time as we know it, the rhythm of day and night. There will only be one day, which shall be known to the Lord, and there will be no other sun but God, and this sun shall not rise and set. That eternity should be counted in days as time is reckoned now. The blessed will reckon eternity in terms of their joy, and the tormented sinners in terms of their torments. My brothers and sisters, practice the love, the compassion that is put before us today by the example of the sheep on the right side and also put before you the example of our recently reposed shepherd and fellow sheep, Father John Stephen, who we have given to God in the hope of the resurrection and life eternal just this past few days. It is these sheep, these saints, that tangibly, spiritually, and inwardly were filled with love and expressed that same divine love as they were transformed by it. And they, in turn, poured it out to their neighbors. It is these that we need to begin to emulate here and now. 
In this way, you too will have something to offer on the last day. Milk, which we give to others to sustain them and care for their souls and bodies. Some woolly fleece that warms, protects, and comforts and is the little spiritual progress that we may have. And even our children, both natural and our spiritual children, who themselves are sheep, filled with Christ and who are growing ever more like him by your prayers, your example, and even some little teachings. May we each become as the sheep, as the lamb himself, and hear the blessed words of he who is our Savior, and judge who is echoing in our ears and hearts on that final day, on that day when true life begins without any mixture of sorrow with life, but only life and joy abundantly. May that great blessing and good word that awaits the sheep be heard resonating within our own ears. Come, O blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. May we each welcome with joy the appearing of the Son of Man in glory. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus.